I'm delighted to welcome Harry Fair to the events podcast. Harry is directing this autumn's opera, Nikolai's Dillustigen Weiber von Windsor, which opens on Thursday the 10th of November with four performances in the Silk Street Theatre. Well, welcome, Harry. Thank you very much. Um, this opera is widely performed in Germany, but it's perhaps not so commonly seen in the UK. Um, obviously, it's based on Shakespeare's Merry Wives of Windsor. Can you give us an idea of how that translates from the play into an opera? Um, it's surprisingly faithful, actually. Um, uh, quite often with 19th century operas, when one looks back at the source material, they've undergone a certain amount of revision. And, of course, there are differences between the original play and the libretto of this. It's simplified. Uh, but on the whole, it sticks quite closely to it. Uh, perhaps Frau Flup's character is increased in importance in the opera. In the play, she and Frau Reich, or Frau Page, as she is in the, in the play, um, are much, more, much closer in terms of the size of their roles, whereas really Frau Flut is, is clearly the bigger role in the opera. Um, and I think that the sentimentality of the love story between Anna and Fenton is increased in the opera as well. Uh, but, for example, the three tricks which are played on Falstaff um, all appear in the opera version. Um, and, um, and one could see that it would have been possibly easier to have reduced them, made it a bit tighter. Um, but clearly the librettist was wanting to keep quite close to the original Shakespeare. Um, and on the whole has been successful in that. Okay. Um, so does it have particularly good qualities for young singers, for students? Oh, for instance, it's quite a comic opera, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And perhaps, do young singers respond to that well? Um, well, the first thing I can say is that it's quite clear that it's a very good piece to be done by a music college, okay. um, because it has quite a large cast of principals, and although Frau Flut is clearly the biggest role, um, with Falstaff following behind, there are about six or eight other subsidiary characters when their roles are of a similar kind of size. So actually quite a lot of people get a chance to shine, which of course is, is good for a, for a music college. Um, I can say that the singers, the, the, the students, are responding well to the fact that it is a comedy, for sure. Uh, actually, my style is to try and keep the comedy real, if you like. Um, with a number of them, their natural instinct is to kind of go for the gag um, and kind of almost the stereotype, whereas really I'm trying to just keep a lid on that. So if anything, they're, they're responding slightly too well to the material, <laughs> and I'm just trying to keep, keep it a little bit truer to life, as I say. But um, I think they are enjoying it. The difficulty that a lot of them are finding um, is the dialogue, um, which is something new for, for, for most of them. Very few of them in the cast speak German, so that adds an extra layer to it as well. So although the, the tuneful quality of it, I think they all respond to, absolutely, just the fact that it has these quite large sections of important dialogue which give a lot of the plot is have been an extra, an extra string to their bow for them to be learning, I suppose. And has that necessitated kind of rehearsing in a different way or has that kind of brought about different challenges? I suppose that in the normal way when working with singers, they come to the first rehearsal knowing their music and their text really, really well. Whereas these students in this show, they know their dialogue, but they a lot of them are quite nervy about it. So it's almost sometimes as if they didn't know their dialogue. So we've had to work perhaps a little more slowly with those sequences than when we're just working on the musical numbers. 
Um, and we've also had to work quite closely with a language coach because I speak some German, but not brilliantly. Um, Clive Timms speaks it well. Uh, but it's just been really useful to have a, a language coach there as well in those rehearsals when we've been dedicated to dialogue to really help with the inflection and so on. So it, it sounds as close to possible as, um, as natural German spoken by a German native speaker and not by a Romanian and a Brit and an Australian and whatever else we've got in our cast. <laughs> Um, and yes, the opera programme has a kind of range of language coaches that they work with, don't yeah, they? So exactly. you, you've yeah. been able to call on them. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, as a director, do you find it rewarding to work on perhaps more obscure operas? That's an interesting question. Um, I've tended to find, actually, that in all the operas that I've worked on, whether they've been obscure or not, I've found something which stimulates and excites me. When working on a core repertory piece, um, the, it can be an exciting challenge in itself to find a, a new angle, to find, not to reinvent it, but to find, to find why it is that this piece needs to be done now. So, for example, if doing La Traviata, La Traviata is done all the time, why is it done all the time? What is it that's so, so wonderful and important about it? And to find to find my own voice through it, I think is important. Some people may think that that's um, slightly um, egocentric on a director's part, but I think that that is my role, is to make it fresh, reinvent it, find, find new ways to tell a story. Um, but then there is also something very exciting about working on a piece which people don't know. My approach is always to find the clearest way to tell the story. So if it's a story which people don't know, there's an added level of responsibility, I suppose, to make sure that people do understand what's going on. Uh, and I've done a few pieces like that which have been non-core repertory work. Um, but yeah, I think I enjoy the challenge equally of whether it's a, a core repertory piece or not. Okay. Um, and do you have a particular style of opera that generally that you like working on? Do you have particular composers that you um, find yourself working yes, with? Yes, I mean, um, in my free time I listen to a lot of Handel, um, and I've directed two Handel operas this year, in fact. Um, very, very challenging because of the formality of the way that the pieces are structured. But I find that's uh, an exciting challenge to take. So, yes, Handel, I suppose. Um, Mozart, I'd love to be directing the Mozart up onto operas as often as possible. I've only done Così so far. Um, but I think that I have quite eclectic tastes, and I think that that's helpful in my job because so often it's a question of someone phoning me up going, we're doing this piece, do you want to direct it? And I kind of have to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very rare that I get asked, so Harry, what would you like to direct? Um, so for people who are listening to the podcast who might not be very familiar with what an opera director actually does, mm -hmm. um, apart from oversee the whole show, can you tell us how you go about it? And what, For instance, what's the first thing you do once you know what you'll be working on? Is there a large amount of research involved? Well, um, as I said, my, my approach is absolutely about storytelling. That's always my priority. So the first thing that I do is read the libretto. Um, then I get to know the music um, and see how the composer has responded to the libretto because it's not necessarily um, the most obvious way. Once I feel I've got a strong um, knowledge of the piece, I then start to think about ways to tell this story the most clearly. Um, and that might be then in a contemporary setting, or it might be in the setting from when it was originally written or when it was originally set. Um, and in the meantime, I do lots of research around the piece and any 
any periods or settings which jump out at me. So, for example, for the Merry Wives of Windsor, my designer Tom Rogers and I essentially saw three potential oh, okay. settings. Um, one of which was we, we dismissed very quickly the idea of setting it when it was originally set, which was about 1600, from a very practical perspective that we couldn't possibly afford the costumes for this number of people. And so we thought about whether to set it when it was written in 1849, because a lot of the, um, a lot of the exploration of the relationships between men and women seem quite, um, quite infused with a mid-19th century uh, mentality. We also thought about the 1950s, which seems to be a period when women were beginning to break free from convention. And we also thought about setting it now, which is what we've ultimately decided to go with. Because we thought that there was, although it's very much a piece of its time, there is actually a lot of it which feels very modern. Not least the fact that the female characters are extremely strong, all three of them. Which would be quite rare for the time this opera was written, wouldn't Absolutely. It? They're not victims at all. Indeed, Falstaff is the one who really, at the end, you start to feel slightly sorry for, from the fact that the women have um, punished him so severely for daring to um, make overtures towards them. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, there was a kind of slightly modern mentality there as well as the 19th century which we thought was very interesting um, of course it's meant that there have been challenges in pulling it into the 21st century but it's for the audience to judge of course but Tom and I think that we've done it quite successfully Brilliant well you've worked at the Royal Opera House and Scottish Opera and plenty of other professional companies how are you finding working with Guildhall students? Is, it, is there something quite special about working on in this kind of place? Yeah, there's always something a bit different about working with students. Um, what I love is that they are completely unjaded, so they come with such enthusiasm for what they're doing. Um, they've, a lot of the guys who have been working with have really thought about their characters and their back histories and so on and have come with a lot of ideas, which is lovely, rather than just turning up going, so tell me what to do, which sometimes one experiences with people who have been doing this job for quite a long time. Um, of course, there are challenges as well, like the fact that sometimes they don't know the the tricks, the the sort of um, the things which people pick up just some a lifetime of, of working in the profession. So things like continuously having to remind them to play out. My my style of working is, for want of a better word, naturalistic. So I want them to be playing real spaces but they have to cheat that slightly. They can't stand with their back to the audience and sing upstage. They have to find a way to cheat that. And, yeah, with professionals, they will do that without even asking. Whereas uh, I'm finding with the students that quite often they need to be reminded that they have to be doing that. It doesn't come naturally. Mm. And there are other things of that kind of thing as well, which uh, one wouldn't get with a professional, but students have yet to learn it. And you're obviously you're also working with um, a student technical team, so yes. the backstage crew as well. Yeah. So is that something new for you? Um, I've worked with students a couple of times. I've done a couple of sets of scenes at Guildhall, oh, which are also okay. staffed by students on a technical course. Um, I'm finding the same as I did last time. I'm at completely in awe of the fact that they are so professional. They're, my deputy stage manager, I hope she doesn't mind me saying, I think is 21. And really, she feels like she's been doing this for years in the best possible way. I feel completely um, supported by her, completely confident that I can ask her to be doing anything. And she will she will do it and not just do it she'll do it with a smile <laughs> <laughs> that's all you can ask for really. yes <laughs> well thank you so much for speaking to us Harry especially in a noisy kitchen in the back of our rehearsal room um, good luck with all the rehearsals and we look forward to seeing De Lustigan Reviber von Winter which opens on Thursday the 10th of November thanks thank you